0: Gregorian chant, the soul of sacred music, and the body of the music you'll hear on our program, Sacred Soundings, music to deepen your faith beyond measure. I'm Al Romano, your host for Sacred Soundings, on listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, and streaming live on stgabrielradio.com. A number of Christian denominations all claim identity with the Church founded by Jesus Christ, as it existed in its earliest, simplest, and purest form. But, as one astute religious researcher points out, and I quote, when we look at the Church during the ages of the Apostles and early Church Fathers, we find seven sacraments, the primacy of the Roman Pontiff, devotions to Mary and the saints, and at the center of it all, a liturgy that represents the sacrifice of Calvary. If that sounds like Catholicism to you, is because the early church was the Catholic Church. Some non Catholics claim that the church of the first three centuries was a pure church, and only after the legalization of Christianity by Roman Emperor Constantine in 313 did the church become Catholic and corrupt. However, the doctrines of post Constantine Catholicism are the same doctrines that were held by Christians for the preceding three centuries. In fact, Evidence clearly shows that the beliefs of the early Church are the same as those of the Catholic Church today, in the third millennium. So what's a good starting point for comparing today's Catholic Church with the pure, basic, and unembellished Church founded by Christ? How about Holy Communion? Catholics, of course, believe that the Eucharist is, literally, the body and blood of Jesus. In fact, this view was firmly held by all faithful Christians until the advent of Protestantism. Not one Christian writing in the early church viewed the Eucharist as a mere symbol. What's more, no other so-called Christian symbol ever carried the death penalty for its ill-treatment. St. Justin Martyr, one of the most important apologists of the early church, wrote, This food is known among us as the Eucharist. We do not receive these things as common bread and common drink, but as Jesus Christ our Savior, being made flesh by the word of God. St. Cyril of Jerusalem said, Since Christ has said of the bread, This is my body, who after that will venture to doubt? And seeing that he has said, This is my blood, who will raise a question and say it is not his blood? St. Ignatius of Antioch, a convert of the apostle John, wrote to the church in Smyrna, while being led to his execution in Rome. They, the heretics even absent themselves from the Eucharist and the public prayers, because they will not admit that the Eucharist is the flesh of our Savior Jesus Christ, which suffered for our sins, and which the Father in his goodness raised up again. Mercy
1: i channel from his heart. That beats divine, beats of mercy, beats in Still yeah. yeah.
0: is a river and yes lord by the sisters of the children of mary and the jacques family you're listening to sacred soundings a production of saint gabriel catholic radio and we're discussing how closely the catholic church today resembles the church founded by christ in its doctrines its sacraments and religious practices belief in purgatory is a good point for a comparison of today's catholic church and the church founded by christ a christianity today article points out that the idea of a place between death and heaven and the practice of praying for the dead date back to the earliest days of the Church. The article also notes that prayers for the departed are encouraged in the Septuagint, the oldest Greek version of the Old Testament, on which both the Catholic and Orthodox Old Testaments are based. Second Maccabees states, It is a holy and wholesome thought to pray for the dead, that they may be loosed from sins. And other verses cited as proof of purification after death are found in 2 Samuel, 1 Corinthians, and the Gospel of Matthew. And what about the sacrament of reconciliation, confessing our sins to a priest? Christ explicitly told the apostles, Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them, and whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. The means by which God forgives sins after baptism has always and ever been confession. While the forms in which the sacrament has been administered have changed over time, first-century writings clearly indicate that confession was not just something done in silence to God alone, but something done in church. The requirement of either being in the state of grace or making a private, verbal confession to a presbyter before receiving Holy Communion was very much a part of early church law. Ooh. Mm-hmm. O Sacred Banquet and Blessed Are the Spirits by the Scola Cantorum of the Dominican House of Studies in Washington. I've referred to the early church fathers and mentioned a few of them by name. Albert Little, an evangelical writer and blogger who turned Catholic, wrote a tongue-in-cheek piece telling other evangelicals how to avoid converting to Catholicism. One of the strategies he recommends is do not read the early church fathers. And in support of this caution, he wrote, and I quote, Understand, these are the apostles of the apostles, the Christians who were taught by the very first Christians whom Jesus taught. These are giants of Christianity who had direct access to those who heard Jesus' very words and touched his flesh. As an evangelical, I didn't realize that this material exists, and when I did, I began to devour it. Unquote. Incidentally, a couple of years ago, My son Tony gave me a book about the Early Church Fathers aptly titled The Fathers Know Best, Your Essential Guide to the Teachings of the Early Church by Jimmy Akin. I heartily recommend it. Thank you. Gospel of Mercy and Heart of Love by the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia Congregation in Nashville. And finally, what about Catholic devotions and prayers to the Blessed Virgin vis-à-vis the early Church? We call Mary the Mother of God because she was, in fact, the Mother of the Second Person of the Blessed Trinity. Why do we venerate Mary and pray to her? Because common sense tells us what the saints have known from the beginning—that the Virgin Mary began to cooperate in the plan of salvation from the moment she gave her consent to the incarnation of the Son of God. If you're convinced the Blessed Virgin Mary can't possibly influence human affairs, go in peace. If, on the other hand, you're keeping an open mind on the matter, slowly reading and meditating on the account of the wedding feast at Cana in the second chapter of the Gospel of John might give you a bit more appreciation for the Virgin Mary's intercession power as well as for the quietly knowing and motherly way she had, and Catholics believe, still has, with her son. I'm Al Romano, your host for Sacred Soundings on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Join us on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and at 2.30 and 9.00 p.m. for more Sacred Soundings, music to
1: deepen your faith beyond measure.